Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is Snakebird. Listeners, welcome to this special edition of the Snakebird Podcast. What makes it so special? I don't know. It's another one. (laughs) And today we're talking about one of my favorite things, gifts. Yeah. Not just Christmas gifts, not just birthday gifts, not just any time, any place gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts. The best kind. Yes, exactly. Kind that are given to you specifically from God. And we realize that this is a topic that um, is widely criticized, widely debated. And so I think we need to start this episode off with, I would say, a bit of a disclaimer. Uh, what do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I think you're right, because there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions on this, and we've all seen uh, versions of this misused or perhaps not misused. So uh, we we do. We want to throw a disclaimer. Um, for me personally, if you're an unbeliever, this episode might be a little strange to you because it relates to something that's very unique to a believer. And so we just want you to be aware this topic might not benefit you unless, of course, you'd like to take that jump, which we obviously encourage. But Yeah, we call it family business. And while you're more than welcome to listen, it just might not make a lot of sense. Yeah. And we realize out there, for those that are listening, God is a big God, and no one has all the answers. And so we realize that maybe we're going to say something that you disagree with. That's okay. We've said that all along, is that if you don't agree with us, We want to have you join in a conversation where we can talk back and forth. And so at the end of this podcast, of course, we're going to give that way that you can connect with us and you can say, hey, this is why I see it this way or whatever it is. And we realize that, again, um, maybe outside of what we've seen, people have worked differently. The biggest thing that we want to do as a snake bird is be biblical. Yeah. And so if we see things that are extra biblical... Things that will uh, maybe even mention this general individual who says strange fire. We want to call that out <laughs> and we want to operate within the principles and the, the guidelines that God gave us. And so yeah. that's really what we're wanting to start with today. Yeah, we're all about balance, as you've heard before. And we just want to walk away from this discussion with a healthy balance of, of what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts. Yes, that is so right. So we should probably define spiritual gifts, wouldn't you think, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. 1 Corinthians 12.7 is where I got this definition. It, it is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit given to a believer for the common good of the church. That was a mouthful. But, but basically, it's, um, yeah, it, it's just that. Say that again manifestations of the Holy Spirit given to a believer for the common good of the church. Okay. All right. So the Holy Spirit becoming evident, Mm -hmm. given to believers for the benefit of people and believers. Yeah. So we should see benefit when these gifts are used. Yes. For the church. Oh, that's a great way to say it. Okay, I maybe can, simpler. <laughs> I I see your uh, definition, and I raise you this one: um, gracious endowments leading to miraculous results. Nice. So again, basically, somebody who's been given a gift leading to results that are for the supernatural, but also again benefiting the body of Christ. Yeah, well said. That's a good definition. That's not bad. Yeah, because again. 
so many people deal with spiritual gifts in so many different ways and yeah. they see them for so many different opportunities. So we need good definitions. Yeah, that is true. And also, you know, the gifts of the spirit are not to be con- confused, excuse me, with the fruits of the spirit. A lot of people I have seen online got on there and there's nine of each. So oh, yeah. people kind of, they kind of confuse the two. Um, gifts of the spirit are experienced by and for the church only, whereas fruits of the spirit can be seen in a Christian, even by an unbeliever. Now, if somebody's listening and they want those passages in scripture that they can look up where spiritual gifts are listed. Yes. Uh, do you have some? Because I know I have a couple. If you... Yeah. Well, we mentioned 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. Um, and that that is a great place to start. Uh, yes. I believe, does it start in verse 7? Yeah, around there. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of need the whole it. chapter really to to really classify all of them. That's true. But yeah, and those those gifts uh, in order are uh, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Oh, cool. So that's that's the nine mentioned and and there's probably that that's probably a base list. Yeah. I bet you it branches. Yeah, yeah, because I have like if, in my list I have a few extras that oh, I, I, I guess you. I added on. Yeah, <laughs> but, extra biblical, huh? Well, I'm just joking. <laughs> there's other lists. There's um, of course First Corinthians 14 kind of expound on that, yeah. or maybe maybe give definitions or parameters. Yeah, and then Romans 12 has some. Yes, First uh, Peter four. Yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely, and, and I think also it's important to. I don't know if we'll dive into this too far, but I think there's a difference in um, skills that were previously had before becoming a Christian that are kind of repurposed for yeah. the kingdom, and then spiritual gifts that are given that you didn't even have before. Oh yeah, that's true. So I think there's almost two categories of spiritual gifts. Yes. So and, and some of those some of those scriptures might delve into you know both or one or the other. Yeah. I, I love the enabling of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. When you become a Christian and you receive Jesus into your heart, the neat deal is that you are given a gift for a purpose. Yeah. For God's purpose, for encouraging the body. Yeah, that is so true. Um, every Christian is given at least one spiritual gift. Um, first Corinthians 12, seven through 10 states that if you're wanting to look it up, but you, you get one, at least some, some more than one. Yeah. So Paul uses two words to describe spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciations here, but um, one is pneumatica, and that is uh, translated gifts of the Spirit. And the other one is charismata, which is where we get our word charismatic from, yeah. which is kind of a denomination in itself almost. That, that is. I mean, you've yeah. seen a whole group. <laughs> I mean, usually they're called Pentecostals. Yeah, that's true. You know, and that, so. that word means gifts of grace. And I don't know if I'm completely on target with this, but it seems from what I've seen in the, the commentaries that charismata is the more supernatural uh, use of the word, the gifts of grace. So um, that's something we'll probably touch on a little bit more here in a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, I, I love the thought of talking about especially supernatural gifts, because, you know, going back even to the initial discussion, when you're a pastor of a church and you start talking to your congregation about, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, some people clam up and they're like, 
no, no, mm-hmm. we're we're good. And then others start rubbing their hands together like, oh, this is going to get good. Excellent. You know, and, <laughs> and the neat thing is finding that biblical balance between what's outside of the frame and, again, what yeah. is not even acknowledging that the Holy Spirit's working. So, okay, that kind of leads us right into a, a question right that we need to <laughs> we need to answer. Yeah. Are they real? Are they real? And do they still exist? Yeah. And that, I mean, you said it. Uh, some people get really excited and some people jump away. It really has caused a divide in a lot of people in a lot of churches. Two pastors that come to my mind that are very well known um, is John Piper and John MacArthur. And the reason I am name dropping is because these two men... They are very knowledgeable on the Bible. They they know Extremely. yeah they know the Bible so well, and I've benefited listening to both of these men. But they and they they share the same doctrine, a, a particular doctrine that if you agree on it, you agree on a lot. So yeah, yeah. but they disagree on spiritual gifts, hmm. and so I, I want to point that out because it's not like an uneducated person believes in one and a super you know scholarly believes in the other. This no. this is something that takes study. Yes, and and, and not just study. You know, um, just being open open to what's real, what's God. So the. Basically, the one side of the pendulum, which I mentioned the pendulum a lot because we're all about balance here, mm-hmm. but the, the one side um, that is not, they do not support the idea that spiritual gifts, as they were used in the early church, are still used today, currently. And the technical definition, if you want it, is cessationism. But they, um, they're, they're against um, the use of spiritual gifts currently. Um, John, cessationism as in they ceased exactly yeah very yeah i didn't even know what that meant i just oh. <laughs> i just dropped the title <laughs> josh is the dictionary between us so. but john MacArthur's stance is basically if we still have the need for prophecy and divine revelation you know special knowledge through tongues all of that then god's not done speaking thus we don't have a closed canon Basically, we could still be adding books to the Bible, aye, and aye, that's aye. that's his basically his interpretation. Yeah, but I think some of these gifts can be interpreted other ways than just that. Yeah, so that's the one side of the pendulum. Yeah, that one is a tough pill to swallow for me. It is. It is. But then you got the other side that that goes the other way. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a few of those, Josh. I have. And I've actually been in services. You know, we're going to talk more about the good, the bad, and the ugly based on the title of this podcast. But I've been in services where I've seen holy laughter. I've been in services where I've seen running in the spirit and some really what I would call out there things that don't even really line up with scripture. Yeah. So the sad thing is, you know, we get so passionate about one swing of the pendulum or the other to the point where John MacArthur has a um, annual conference called the Strange Fire Conference where he he is calling people out based on what he views is not biblical. Yeah. And, and Strange Fire, that's, that's in reference to an Old Testament thing, isn't it? Yeah, I want to say it's—I think it's Nadab and Abihu— the sons yeah. of Aaron 
who thought, man, we could do this. And so they they put fire in an, in an incense burner and went before the Lord. And he said, this isn't right. This isn't how I wanted this done. Yeah, this isn't the way that you should worship me. And they ended up dying. Which we could probably parallel to some some of these, you know, Street Fighter music videos you've probably seen oh, on gosh. Facebook, or yeah. where someone's sucking wind and popping foreheads. I yeah, mean. <laughs> yeah, and pun- like I I know of um, a, a person, a very very uh, what's the word I'm looking for, sincere person about their faith, who told me about a. 1800s prophet named Smith Wigglesworth who would punch people in the stomach for healing. Wow. And he raised people from the dead according to the lore, but there's no um, recorded resurrections. There's no yeah. um, anything on the books that says this is real. See, and that's that's one of the things that's on the list for uh, cessationists is that they one of the things they say is there's not been historical accounts of Christians continuing healing and gifts after the early church. Yeah. That's one thing they bring. And I think maybe it'd be, you know, fair to to just throw some scriptures out that that the reason they're on that side. Mm-hmm. So first cessationists or uh, people who are against the modern use of spiritual gifts, uh they they often will point to um the book of Acts, where Luke, he really does seem to make an effort of, of pointing out that that it was very unique and special that the apostles were doing these things, mm-hmm. these signs and wonders. Um, you know, we, we'll look at like uh, Acts 2, 43, it says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. It's something that seemed to be uh, that Luke made a, he made a point to say this was something unique to mm-hmm. the apostles. Yeah. So that's one thing they'll point out. And uh, even in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, um, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance, by signs and wonders and miracles. Paul argues that the sign of his apostleship is through signs and wonders. So there's this, you know, these scriptures that kind of point to the uniqueness of that early uh, movement of Christianity, the way. So uh, th- those are some of the scriptures uh, for or, or against the modern use of spiritual gifts. But we come to a lot of other scriptures, and y- we know the Bible doesn't contradict itself. No. And so that's where we're going to have to start jumping into the fray here. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, scriptures for the modern use of spiritual gifts uh, include like John 14, 12. Um, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these because I go to the Father. Jesus Hmm. isn't just talking to apostles here. Yeah. He's not. And um, there's, there's many other scriptures too. Um, Galatians 3, 5 would be one. Uh, so then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? This is an admission that miracles were taking place among common believers after the apostles. That's right. So there are there are scriptures on both sides of the fence with this. I could keep going on this, but we First um, uh, Corinthians twelve seven is one that you can look up on your own. First Corinthians thirteen eight through thirteen, 
Um, but when the perfect comes, the, the partial will be done away with. I'm kind of talking in, in uh, subtitles here, but, but you can look these up and see that there are scriptures that kind of seem to support both of these ideas, which is why it's important we find this balance. It is. Because, I mean, I was listening to a pastor the other day who was very, very passionately preaching on the gifts of the Spirit and talking about cessationalism and why they felt so strongly against it was, can you imagine in like the day of Paul where he had built up Apollos and he had built up Timothy and, and some of these other guys? And can you imagine that if they're preaching and their churches are taking off and using these gifts and then all of a sudden... They cease. Can you imagine being in that church service where it's just like, and then it just falls flat? Yeah. Yes, because basically that's that's what the definition of cessationism is. It's um, that the, the gifts cease with the closing of the canon of Scripture or the death of the last apostle. Yeah. So, yeah, it would just be like a, right off the, jumping off a cliff right there. Yeah. Just zoom. Done. Break check. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate break check. <laughs> yeah. People are like, where did God go? <laughs> well, and and the sad thing is, is I mean, I, you think about all the way to Cornelius. Yeah. The believer who's praying, saying, I, I'm a Gentile, but I want the Holy Spirit. I want salvation. And Peter comes and the Spirit falls upon them. And then they start speaking in tongues. And, you know... You see the joy that they had. And I know tongues, we're going to get into that because that's a huge issue. Yeah. But right there and right then, you have, again, the benefit of the body through a spiritual gift, through uh, something that was bestowed upon them because of the re- the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I think you really said it, too. Um, what we have to remember is these spiritual gifts— the the reason that they're given is for the common good of the church. So the number one question we should look at, whether we are talking about stuff we're seeing in modern day or back then, was how was this beneficial? Yes. Because if it's not beneficial, uh, the Bible talks about you know a certain edifying of yourself. Mm. And so we that's one question you got to ask yourself when you're when you're talking about this is this use of this gift beneficial to my church family. Yeah. Yeah. What's a proper use? What's an improper use? Yeah. Cuz they're out there and there's some that are more conversation pieces than others. Yeah. Is there not? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me ask you point blank. Okay. Do you believe in the gift of healing? Do you think it still exists today? Yes. Yeah, to, to just come right out and say it, yes. Um, I don't think we see it as much, especially mm. in America. Yeah. But I do believe, um, you know, I've, I've actually had some conversations with some veterans that have told me some wild stuff mm-hmm. that they saw in, in third world countries. I do believe they take place. Um, I have some reasons for why I don't think we see it as much in America. But yeah. Yeah. How about you, Josh? Oh, I I definitely do. And again, I hate the third party, um, he said, she said, kind of yeah. uh, folklore, so to say. But the yeah. people that I've heard it from, they're not unre- unreliable sources. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories is Pastor Chuck. You know, he was a pastor of a very large church in California. And his 
this uh, after a sermon, he had this family roll down a guy in a wheelchair and they asked him to pray for him. And he said, well, it's been a while since I prayed for anybody in a wheelchair. <laughs> and he started praying, God, if you want to use this, use me to allow this man to walk, then I'm OK with that. And so he started praying for the man to walk. And after he prayed, he said, all right, uh, let's get you up. And the guy stood up and walked. Yeah. And the family was amazed because they said, we brought him up here because he was sick. Like he had a sore throat. <laughs> and and, and he, boom. Yeah. It, it, here's the thing. This is where we talk about proper use and improper use. Yeah. What is the purpose of a healing other than to glorify God in that person's life, but also to show God's power uh, to those that witness it? Yeah. Because you think of like Lazarus. Lazarus was resurrected from the dead. Where is he now? He's he's cremated. He's gone. He's yeah. he's long since decayed. Yeah. And so his resurrection wasn't for Lazarus necessarily other than bringing him back and showing God's power at the time. And so healing in my sense, we have to be careful of how much I guess um emphasis we put on it because it is only for so long. Yeah. And it, I think you said it well there. I mean, it, it's for the glorification of God, the building of the kingdom. And I mean, just to jump into more philosophical, not scriptural here, something I think about is um, healings back then were looked at much different than healings today. That's true. Because we've got a lot of medical advantages today. Mm -hmm. Things can be explained away like crazy nowadays. Yeah. How is a lot of that going to benefit um, God when, when it's easily explained away by, by, and I'm not, I know there's a difference because I believe in healings, miraculous healings. But I, I think that the main reason is, is the glory of God. And I think here's, here's, um, Here's one quote that I, I would throw out here at this point. Um, this is from the Baker Bible Dictionary. As spirit manifestations, charismata, are a permanent and necessary endowment for the church, the individual gifts may vary over time and between specific congregations, but it would be unthinkable for Paul that charismata as such would cease, since their purpose is to empower the church to evidence the presence of God's kingdom, they will not cease until the end when the kingdom becomes visible to all. And that uh, the reference for that would be 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. But I really found that helpful for me. Individual gifts may vary over time and between specific congregations. That makes sense to me because times change and avenues of spreading the gospel change. And now I'm not saying that these these have faded out, but I do think that, that things can, can change with the times, not obviously, you know, um, essentials in the gospel and all that, but I found that helpful. Yeah, that, wow, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I was, you led me back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he goes to a town where people say, isn't this... Jesus, the son of Joseph, the carpenter, and they say, we're familiar with him. We know too much about him, or we we don't believe he is who he is. And there's that really sad verse that says, and he was not able to do a lot among them 
many signs and wonders among them because of their unbelief. Oh, yeah. Do you feel like that has a play into today's um, quote-unquote lack of signs of the gift of the Holy Spirit? You know, I really do. I think that faith is a major factor in the miraculous. Um, in Matthew 17, 20, the apostles tried to drive out a demon, but they couldn't. And Jesus told them it was because of the little faith that they had. So he goes on to say that if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will be able to say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, there's people who say Jesus was talking in riddles here. I don't think so. I think that real faith, real faith that Jesus is talking about here literally could move a mountain from here to there. Does it, does it happen? Has it ever happened? Have we ever seen it recorded? No, I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. Yeah. But I believe that faith is a major factor. Jesus was in the massive crowd in Mark 5, and he felt healing power leave his body because a woman reached out in faith and touched him. That was off of her faith that that happened. Mm -hmm. Jesus looks around. He said, who touched me? Where did the power go? I yeah. felt it go out Yeah, me. And the apostles are looking at him. They're like, what do you mean? Everybody touched, touched you. you. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. He said, no, someone's faith touched me. And yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, faith is a major, major player here. I always like to picture that, that she like was running through a football line and did the goal line stretch for his cloak. Right. You know, cause she's just like, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, fourth and goal and she just was you yeah. know pushing over the line and just made that last last stretch to grab the bottom of his his robe i'll never envision that scripture differently than that you're welcome on, josh <laughs> that's just for you <laughs> and one one more uh, that comes to my mind is in matthew 13 when jesus revisits nazareth and the reason he did no miracles in that town was because of the lack of faith yeah on their part so yeah and I, I mean, I feel like there's other people that are like, well, we have so much faith that we can handle snakes. And there's so much other people that are like, <laughs> we have so much faith that we instantly speak in tongues the moment that we're saved. Yeah. And I think that goes back to you, like proper use versus improper use, because again, the, the heart is examined of what is the purpose of you showing off these things or you know, are you handling snakes because you're trying to show how great your faith is mm -hmm. for yourself? What do you think about that? Well, I think you're on to something. I mean, people who demand to see a sign, there's something to be said about it. And remember in, in Matthew 16, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and they were like, show us a sign, Jesus. Show us, show us something. Give us a little taste, you know. And Jesus replied to them and at the end of it he said an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah mm -hmm. there's something to be said for people who demand a sign yeah. um, John Corson says this he says miracles never convert a person they can satisfy a person's curiosity but they will never bring him into a born again salvation experience Ooh. the world says if I can see it then I'll believe it but the Bible says, if you believe it, then you'll see it. Yes. And I think that <laughs> says it. Yeah. Know? That right there. That's like mic drop. Let's just walk away. Because that's a fantastic quote. Yeah. it's There's something to be said for sure. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is they're, they're used for the purpose of helping each other. 
not used for self-gratification. Yeah. And that's that's it. I mean, you got to ask that question. Is this use of this gift beneficial to my church? Hmm. I mean, think about the very first one, wisdom. Like, you know, like Solomon would have. You you could uh, receive or extraordinary levels of wisdom to benefit the church by counseling brothers and sisters, you know, strategies, spreading the gospel. There's, there's very real... Um, ways to use these gifts and if it's only just pointing to you for like the limelight or attention or mm-hmm. something how is that beneficial to anybody and is it even real if that's what is happening yeah and a lot of times i mean that's what we see the ugly yeah or people like blatantly or maybe miscalling themselves prophet yeah for their own gain yeah Prophet, prophecy. That's a that's a doozy. Yeah. That's in the list. Yeah. Prophecy. And it's out there and it's used for good. Yeah. But it also can be used for bad. I I bring this one up. I remember this guy who went up to a really pretty lady at a church. Yeah. And he said, You know what God told me? And she said, Um, what? And he said, God told me that I'm supposed to marry you. You're gonna be my wife. And she goes, that's funny because you'd have to ask my husband over there <laughs> who is actually the pastor of this church. And he was like, oh. His name's Uriah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if it was the Old Testament and we're getting real biblical here, he'd be taken out in stone. But yeah, thank yeah. God it, we're God's gracious. So we're not going that way. Yeah. But, I mean, that's crazy, right? It is. In prophecy, that's one of them that, that causes this great divide yes. between, you know, because it's all about definitions. You've pointed this out previously, Josh, in another episode, but it, it's all about definitions. Yeah. Why don't we go through the list and, and let's let's talk about the good. Yeah. Let's talk about the good. You just mentioned wisdom, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just count that in, count yeah. that as done, but let's go through the list and talk about their definitions and talk about what they're used for. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about after that, we talked about the good, we'll talk about the bad, and then let's talk about the ugly. And yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go from there. Cool. So next in line would be knowledge. Okay. Knowledge. I you thought kn- you'd know that. Uh, well, I was thinking. <laughs> uh, the thing that I found interesting, because I, I saw wisdom and knowledge, and a lot of times in my mind, I kind of lump those two together. But uh, something I found interesting was a uh, Greek word for wisdom sin- seems to insinuate a skill level, whereas the Greek word for knowledge seems to be more supernatural. Like you didn't study yourself yeah. there or learn a skill. You simply know. Okay. And so... Um, you can see the differences between those two. Both, we can come up with with um, areas where that would benefit the church. Yes. Which is, that's, that's what we're after here. Yeah. Um, faith. Romans 12, 3 says that God has given each a measure of faith. That's right. But the gift of faith is a larger portion. Do you, w- would you say that's right? I would. I, th- I think, I mean, it's definitely listed there. So, yeah. I'm trying to think of an instance because that's a heavy bomb that you laid out about moving a mountain. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've been a Christian for a couple of decades now. I'm (laughs) young-ish, not anymore, but I've been a Christian and I've never been able to say to a mountain, move. Yeah. And yet God says, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, and of course we all go to the grocery store and pick up a mustard seed and start crying a little because it's tiny. And so 
to think about like not having enough faith, that's harsh because you're like, yeah. well, well, what do I need? But I, I do know that we fall so short. And so I think that that is a gift that God gives, especially as we ask for it. Yeah. And that's, that is one of those gifts that I think you were talking about how some things come as gifts and then some are like endowed. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the same thing, but some are coming as things that you've already obtained or you're some already, are repurposed that yeah. you already had. Yeah. And I think faith is something that we can even, it's like a foundation that's being built upon mm-hmm. because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I think not only can God give you the gift of faith, but you can also that's true. Continue to yeah. add to your faith or supplement your faith by receiving more of the word of God. That makes sense. And you know, scripture that comes to mind is like, uh, I don't have the address, but it says there is none who seeks God. There is none who is righteous. There is none. I, and I wish I had that address oh, in yeah. front of me. It's... But but you think about that. You say, well, well hold on a minute. I, I've seeked God. I seek God. But it's in comparison to God's ability versus ours. So yeah. when we're talking about the faith of a mustard seed, that's talking about a spiritual God faith. Yeah. And so, yeah, but you're, you're right on. And something I, before we move on to number four is uh, three, three, um, three down prophecy seems to be tied to faith. I found an interesting um, scripture. Romans twelve six says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. Hmm. So there almost seems to be something tied between those two, faith and prophecy, which we'll get there in a minute. Yeah. I would, to add to that, or to finish it off, at least on my behalf, is the gift of faith is the unique ability to trust God against all circumstances. Like Peter did when he got out of the boat. Or if you're looking for a more modern day example, like George Mueller, who in the 19th century provided for thousands of orphans by completely um, just even without ever asking for donations, just through trusting God Mm -hmm. through prayer and um, doing that. So examples. That's so true. Okay, so that's faith. God, we ask for more faith. We ask for that gift because that's amazing. Absolutely. Um, and then number four would be healing. We we touched on this. Yeah, this is um, this is something that that can be a controversial one. Uh, there's probably listeners right now that have said that are saying, you know, I've seen it, I've mm. seen it. Yeah. And there's others that say, show it, me. It doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Show, prove it. Yeah, you're 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 charlatans. Yeah. And so that's that's a dividing that's a dividing one there. And here's a, here's one that's going to drive you nuts. Do you think God gives the gift of healing for specific circumstances and then pulls it back? Like, yeah, I do. Could he empower you to heal someone for that one instance? And I then I do. Yeah. You know, think about when the boy fell out of the window while Paul was preaching. Yeah. He brought him back from the dead. He didn't do it all the time. No. But in that instance, God saw it fit. It happened. Yeah. And so I think, Again, we'll talk about that in the bad or the ugly. Yeah. We have to caution against people that say they have that full time. For sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's healings. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five would be working of miracles. If healing wasn't a doozy, that one is. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
this is working of miracles. This is the same Greek word uh, dunamis as we see used Power. to describe, yes, the resurrection of Jesus in Philippians 3. So, um, yeah, this gift could uh, be used for the gospel spreading purposes, for sure. <laughs> and back in the early church. The question is, uh, does it happen today? And I think... Uh, well, what do you think, Josh? I think it does. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of any um, instances I can come up with in the last few years, and I, I just can't off the top of my head. Yeah. But I believe that they exist. I do too. Miracles. Um, that, that can come in a lot of different forms it too. It can. It can. I mean, a lot of times the miracles we ask for are healing, but we, we ask for God to do crazy things yeah. out of the blue, and sometimes he... He works in ways that we don't know. I know I know for a fact in my own personal testimony that the miraculous itself... Now, I'm not just talking about I had a fuzzy feeling when I got born yeah. again. I know for myself that the miraculous is real. Is that fall under the working of miracles? I don't know directly, but I do know this. A lot of people don't like to think of these things being um, a, a legit thing today because the miraculous makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. And I know the miraculous is real. When I was thinking of like this for the miraculous, if we're looking at Jesus as an our, our example, I think of like water turning into wine. Yeah. You know, or bread being distributed from two, you know, five loaves and two fishes to 5,000 people. I haven't seen that. But that doesn't mean miraculous doesn't exist. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I, I have cars break down a lot, and I am praying to God for all get out that He will let it start, and it starts. Yeah, you know. And so I don't, I don't know if that was a miracle or just modern science came together. Yeah. But I know that there's things out there where we we don't know how to attribute them, but God does. Uh, I know. I uh, heard someone one time say something along the lines of, uh, you know. You may call it a coincidences or a coincidence, but I know that when I stop praying, coincidences stop happening. Mm. And sometimes, you know, the miraculous can be explained away. Sometimes it yeah. can. Sometimes it can't. Yeah. It's kind of like getting a hole in one in golf. There's never anyone there to see it. <laughs> By golly, you know, it yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't happen. No, and one it's this is another one of those gifts that we just we walk a tight line on going we don't know we don't we don't know 100% and i'm not going to say it doesn't exist because i believe it does yeah and if somebody were to to bold face con confront me and say it doesn't exist i'd say hey i just i yeah. i can't say one or the other yeah. you know if god says it still exists and we don't believe i don't believe personally in cessation then I think it does. And I think it's very important to to not use, um, well, I haven't seen it, so I don't think it exists. Yeah. Because how far are you willing to take that? Yeah. Because that can go all the way back to the cross and the resurrection. Yeah. So I think it's important that we don't just throw out one-liners that, that help us uh, avoid a topic. And again, define what the purpose of the miracle was for. Exactly, yeah. What, was there benefit in it? Yeah. Did you just turn water into wine? Because I, there's counterfeit out there too. That, that's very true. There is stuff out there that the devil counterfeits to 
to trick people and deceive people. So we saw that all the way back with Pharaoh and Moses. Oh yeah. And so God moved to ones that weren't so counterfeitable. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I believe as the end days approach, we will start seeing that come alive. Too. Yeah. My favorite is in that story where Janice and Jembries are like, we out. We're yeah. done. That's the extent of our power. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know how we did that one. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Pharaoh, you're going to have to get some new magicians. Okay. That went weird. Like, my voice went weird for them instead of, like, being all Egyptian, which I don't think I can do an Egyptian accent. Be so. gone, Houdini. Okay. <laughs> what okay. in the wide, wide world of sports was that? Where were we? Okay. Well, we were on the gift of... Uh, miracles. Oh, yeah. No wonder we went there. Um, <laughs> number six would be prophecy. And this one, yet again, is another doozy that people get caught up on. One definition of this is the gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. Mm. And that, that is the Greek word prophetia, if I didn't butcher that. There is another word used for this also in relation to spiritual gifts called prophetis. Okay. And that, the, the prophetia, prophetia, excuse me, is the gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. This, this is something that I understand now. Um, me and Josh have both preached from the pulpit. And there's times, I think I can speak for both of us, you can add to this obviously, but there's times that in the sermon, we get taken, our words get taken basically. Yeah. And, and we communicate in a way we never wrote down in our notes. Nothing, it just comes out in a way we, we after it's done, we're like, where did that come from? That, I think, is the, the most logical definition of what we see modernly as prophecy. Mm. When God takes over in our communication. Uh, yes, definitely. In, in modern times, mm -hmm. for sure. And, and, you know, I, I had a list of things, of, of gifts that I think have maybe f not necessarily all the way faded out, maybe some of them, but don't happen as much. And prophecy was on my list until I researched that definition. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, that that's happened to me on multiple occasions. Yeah. And the other one, that's the, that's the Piper. That's the John Piper okay. uh, prophecy. The John MacArthur version um, would be the word used in 1 Thessalonians 5.20 which says, um, it's the same, this is the same Greek word that Jesus used to describe the prophets in the Old Testament throughout the Gospel of Matthew. And it tells us to appreciate entrusted leaders in the church and not to despise prophetic utterances, but to examine them. Hmm. That threw me for a loop because that's talking about something different. It seems to be anyway. Yeah. I, I'm no John MacArthur, but <laughs> that that seems to be speaking of something after the apostles, something that we shouldn't despise in the church leadership. And but I love how it says, "Examine them." We got to check that against Scripture. Yes, but that's oh, man. Do you, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add to that, Josh? I've, I find it interesting, almost a rabbit hole. Well, for the longest time, when I would look at prophecy. And the way I've heard it taught is I heard it as somebody who's representing God in the way that they speak. And so I often looked at it as pulpit ministry. Mm -hmm. But as we were preparing for this, there are some who divide that line because you had talked about in the modern sense of like when we're teaching from the pulpit that we have what we've prepared to say and then kind of that 
spirit steps in and outside of what you had prepared starts to, to flow. Yeah. I think that's one aspect of prophecy. Then there's the other where it really literally is forth telling of a message in a particular situation. And it's always in accord with God's word. It's always with what he's doing. But you look at Acts like 21 and 27, it actually is telling the future. Yeah. It's like saying, Paul, you're, you're going to go to Rome like you intended, but you're going to go bound in chains. Yeah. And I, I want to say that in the time that I've been in the church, I've seen people prophesy over others about the future. Whether that came to pass, I do not know. But I think that it's out there and, and it is more rare, kind of like miracles or healings. Mm-hmm. But I believe it's it's still in existence. Again, it's one of those ones that could be very misused very easily. And I think it is a lot. Yeah. I think it probably is a lot. Yeah. So that's prophecy. Um, number seven would be distinguishing of spirits. Hmm. Um, the Greek definition for that word is to pass judgment on spirits or have discernment towards spirits. Uh, it seems to be used in dealing with possessions or de- demonic attacks or activity. Um, or even doctrine. That's true. But yeah, very true. Because uh, doctrine of demons, mm-hmm. that's a heck of a scripture. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, that goes back way deep. I've had that one thrown right at my face before. You have. <laughs> yeah, so um, distinguishing of spirits. that uh, that's, a, that's a good one to have, especially for when people lie. My dad, growing up, my dad was like, God gave me the gift of discernment. And I know you ain't telling the truth, mister. You're sweating and your palms are sweaty. Your knees are weak. Mom's spaghetti. Um, All those things. That's Eminem for you. For you (laughs) really holy listeners out there. I'm sorry. I just quoted a rapper. That went right over me. Okay. Um, Yeah. Discernment. You need that. And that's a wonderful gift to have knowing what's what's right and what's not right. And I think, again, that might be one of those gifts that we can uh, supplement through the reading of Scripture, yeah. through studying God's Word and hearing His voice as we pray and as we listen. Yeah, that's, you know, and that that's something that, that might be honed as you grow in the Lord, too. Mm. Uh, because there... There is a spiritual warfare and battle and realm yes. around us, and sometimes it interlaps uh, with people that don't even have that gift. Yeah. So, and that's a whole other podcast. I can't wait till we do. Well, discernment but, is snakebird central. Yeah, you have is. to have that because that's all about finding that balance and going, wait, that's correct. No, that's not right. Or yeah. finding the the sweet spot of going, hey. Are you speaking for God or are you speaking for yourself? Yeah, that's so true. Okay. And on the note of speaking, <laughs> we have number eight, which is Segway. tongues, which is what you use to speak. Um, no, not here. Um, it's actually talking about, Josh, what is tongues? You, th- you, you take this one. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where do we start? Tongues is a prayer language that's given by God where a believer can communicate with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. That's one way that tongues exist. Another way that tongues exist is literally a spoken tongue that they don't understand that is communicating 
to other people about God. Like in the other person's language? Yes, or? like in So Acts... you miraculously know another language that you've never studied, basically. Yes. To, to, to spread the gospel. Yes. Gotcha. Have I seen that? I have not. I've heard of it firsthand from someone else. Okay. I have not seen that. I've seen the prayer language of tongues uh, evident in other people. And this is, again, one of those really touchy gifts that divides a ton of people on the way that they perceive it, the way that they interpret it, the way that um, it's spoken of. Because you have whole factions of Christianity that say if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And I just want to go ahead and point out, right? I, I don't believe that's right. No. Um, please contact us if you would like to show me something I don't know on that. Seriously, you know, yeah. we, we want to hear. But I, from what I've seen in Scripture, I don't believe that's right. And I, so I got to ask. So tongues, there's there's the prayer language. Is that something? What's the benefit for the church in a prayer language? That's where it gets iffy. Yeah. It's not necessarily a benefit for the church. But there's the scripture that talks about groanings too deep for, uh, where is that address? It's in Romans 8. Yeah. Okay, you got it. So it's, yeah, isn't there times that we all, Christians, I'm talking to you out there, that y- you are wanting to ask God and tell God and pour your heart out to him, but you don't got the words? Is it something in that realm? And, and, and you're just sitting there almost in a meditative state, heart to heart, with God? It could be. Or is it a noise that comes out? I've heard it as noises. I mean, there are, you, okay, we've talked about this and we're going to get real because there are people next to me where it sounds like they're saying shit about a Honda several times over, Yeah. you know, and I'm sure that you have a version of that. I I can't remember. Okay. It makes me angry. Uh, I'm just joking. Well, (laughs) I'm playing, totally playing. This is, this is the danger. I mean, we're Snakebird, so we want to be as real as possible. We don't want to, you know, speak through one side of our mouth or the other. No. I I get really sad when I think that there's somebody out there who's been convinced that they have to fake it till they make it yeah. when it comes to talking in tongues, when That's it comes to speaking in tongues. I've heard people that have um, left the faith because of their um, inability to do it and their church's requirement of it. Yeah. And that scares me because Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 19 says, Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Oh, yeah. We, we can't rely on tongues alone. No. We can't rely on that doctrine that says that you have to speak in tongues to be saved. If Again, we're not throwing down the gauntlet, but if you see that in Scripture, please tell us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just the way people look at this topic. It's uh, Can I share an embarrassing story? Sure. So well, We love embarrassing stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to love this one. So I, I was raised to believe that these things don't really happen in modern day. And I had a coworker who um, was very Pentecostal. His mom, she, he said, spoke in tongues. And we decided to have a Bible study. And I went over there, and it was awkward. And we were going back and forth. And I was trying to use scriptures to tell her that she can't do what she said she's going to do. And finally, I just I got confused. And I just said, well, can you speak in tongues right now? Like, can you cough it up? And she said, yeah. 
and she just she let out this what sounded like you know didn't was not a language to me hmm. and I didn't believe a word of it and she says what do you have to say to that and I said have you ever had a new puppy she said yeah I said I think what just happened is like when you have a new puppy and you get home and it's been by itself all day and it's super excited and it runs over to you and it just starts peeing all over the floor and I think that's what you just did And let me tell you, I ruined any chance. First off, I don't believe like I did back then anymore. But I was more argumentative. I wanted to win an argument. And I destroyed a relationship Mm. with a sister, even though still to this day, I don't believe what I was hearing was real tongues. Yeah. But that was my view. And that's a lot of people on that side of the fence's view. Hmm. It's something that people do that are just not intelligent and they just act and it's just weird. Yeah. And that's how I looked at it. And I acted unrighteously. I was, Um. I don't believe I was even in probably, uh, in Christ at the time, but I think it's so important. Now I've studied the Bible so much more since then. And I went the other way. Yeah, I'm I'm the other way now. Now I don't believe, like I said, what I heard that day was real. But it just—I think we have we have to not put God in a box, nor the gifts He gives us. Um, or my, gave us. My dad grew up in various churches: some Pentecostal, some very conservative. Um, both sides of the pendulum. The church that we um, kind of settled on consider themselves extremely well-balanced, which I appreciate, especially with my upbringing. Um, But before he passed, I remember praying at times with him, and he had a spiritual tongue that he prayed in. And I could hear him at times over, you know, across the room praying, and it was a ramble. And and I've heard um, foreign languages that sound so repetitive that it's hard to say if it was a a righteous thing or a, or yeah. a, a fake thing. And I always, he passed in 2011. I always wish I'd asked him specifically, dad, what is this? And where did it come from? When did God bestow it upon you? Because I think it's just one of those things that would have been neat if he could have co- communicated that to me. And I, I mean, I feel like I know what those answers would have been, but he would have been a source that I would have trusted. Cause, um, at, at like in 2000, or 99 or 2000, he was ordained as a pastor. I always trusted him spiritually and I never would have, um, thought he would lead me wrong. He never, he wouldn't have had any ulterior motives on why to tell me something negative. I do want to say one thing that's really important as we jump into the next thing, the interpretation of tongues. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's where it gets a little, um, not tricky, but it gets really touchy is have you ever heard somebody interpret tongues after it's said and somebody says, thus says the Lord, so and so and so, you know what I mean? That's an interpretation of the tongue. Okay. If that ever happens in any meeting that you're at, dear Christian, that's false. Okay. Because tongues is not from God to us. It's from us to God. Okay. It's a language that's, that's glorifying to God. So if anyone ever says, thus says the Lord in their tongue, yeah, they're a false prophet. That's a scary thing to say. It is. Yeah. That's a scary thing to say. Yeah. It, I mean, 
interpretation interpretation of tongues. This is I I personally I've never heard what I believe to be legitimate tongues nor have I ever heard anything that I believe to be a legitimate interpretation of tongues. And a lot of that has to do probably with my raising. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that they're non-existent. Yeah. But I, I'm just going to come around and say, I've never heard either of these. This this is, again, one of those things where I've heard from a first, yeah. first-hand account where um, the church I went to used to believe in afterglows. Yeah. And this was something that would happen after a church service or after a weekend, um, something where they they were asking for the Holy Spirit to fall. And in this particular instance, somebody got up feeling that they had something to say, spoke in a tongue, and the person that heard it started crying, saying, I am from, I want to say it was the Ukraine or Russia. Mm-hmm. And they said, I have not heard my mother tongue spoken in so long and then they said this they said i've never heard it spoken so eloquently wow again wow first-hand testimony i was not there did you know the person yeah so i didn't have any reason to doubt them yeah i I would have loved to have seen that for real yeah because to me that you know and again we're talking about spiritual gifts and this is why it's dangerous i felt chills just now yeah but we can't be in it just for the chills and the thrills. We have to be in it for what's real. That's true. Sorry, I wasn't trying to like rhyme there. But <laughs> no. we do. We have to be in it for what's real. That's. I would have loved to have been there too. Yeah. And you know what? I don't doubt it. I just haven't seen it. Yes. I've seen some of the other stuff, but I've not seen that one. But it doesn't mean it's not real. No, it doesn't. You know, so it's, it's, it's a doozy. Uh, and as we continue here, like we keep saying, Get in touch with us if you want. If you want to ask questions or let us know um, your thoughts on it. So, okay. where should we move from here, Josh? I want to read a few others that I believe are oh, on yeah. the list, Let's even though this is the way I um, I read. Somebody said, "Is they're suggestive, not exhaustive?" Because God gives usually two uh, separate categories. It's either speaking or serving. Okay. Because on the other side of it, you have leadership which I believe some people are so gifted in leadership. They, they can, they add men like crazy. They're like, okay, I'm going to be put in charge of fifties of 500 of a thousand. And they just have that or helps. You have somebody that just has a gift that says, I just want to help. I have extra hands. I'm like, um, Oh, I want to say a Dorcas, you know, because she's one of my favorite people from the New Testament. And she just, she loves serving. You have somebody who's really gifted in giving. They are above and beyond what they're able to do. Then you have others who are mercy. They're so merciful. And then uh, you also have others who um, just have that exhortation spirit. Yeah. And so it's not a limiting list. It, and we know in 1 Corinthians 12, there's those nine, but there's so much outside of that. And so I think just acknowledging that or uh, even hospitality, mm-hmm. people that love either having people stay in their homes as they're coming through town or just those that say, I can make a mean bean dip and you can come over and we'll talk about Jesus. Yeah. You know, I don't know why it had to be mean bean, but you know. <laughs> yeah. so. No, that's that's an important thing to point out. This this branches out. Yes, it branches out, and you know, we talk. We we've mentioned several times that the one question you need to be asking is how is this beneficial to the church? And um, something else that I think you should also be looking at when you're trying to uh, 
troubleshoot if that's probably a terrible way to say it, but your own spiritual gift as a Christian as you're growing in the Lord and figuring out what he has for you is what feels natural. Yeah. You know, because I've seen people that long to be something, whether it be in the ministry or something they envision and they try really hard for it, but it's not theirs. Hmm. It's not their fit. So I, I think it's important, too, to in these gifts, God will let you know by how natural it feels yeah, and how he brings that stuff to fruition. I've even heard of um, tests online that kind of like reveal which way you might slant in terms of spiritual gifts. I, I don't know uh, the validity of how good it reveals, but yeah. I mean... That's interesting. I, I do think it... A lot of times when, you know, vocation tests kind of show like where you might excel at in your job. And maybe mm-hmm. there are some things just looking inside saying, do I do I geek out on helping in this yeah. variety or this way or teaching the word or yeah. or am I good at discerning? Yeah. You know, things Passion, like that. Passionate. Yeah. Are you yeah. passionate about something? So absolutely. Or you can even find in what you're passionately against, too. Hmm. Yeah, that's I've, true. I've heard some reputable sources say that, and it made me think. I'm like, huh. I think one of the best way to find out what your spiritual gifts is, if you're asking, yeah. is just to jump in and start serving. That's true. And then see that's, what feels natural. That's really the the base thing that every Christian should do. You should be in, in serving at some capacity. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of times other things fall into place. Absolutely. That's my favorite word right now. But yes, <laughs> indubitably. So there it is again. That's a that's a great word. <laughs> okay, the good. The good of spiritual gifts is used for God's glory. It's used for the spread of the gospel. It's used for helping of others. Now we're going to define the bad as used for self gratification. Yeah, we've talked about some of them. Let's just let's just highlight a couple. Okay. Well, you you mentioned the God told me I'm supposed to marry you. Yeah, <laughs> she had a husband. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, that's a pretty obvious one, right? That's there. bad. Um, somebody speaking in tongues saying, "Thus says the Lord." Yeah, especially if it's not in a well. Anytime that's there, but if it's prophecy, if it's not in accordance with His word, yeah, danger, danger. Will Robinson get out of dodge? And You've heard, um, I'm sure you've heard it said before that t- t- there's a certain mindset out there that any attention is better than no attention. Mm. There's some that might do it for attention. Yes. And so that's that's a realm of bad that you might do uh, several of them, tongues being one that I can think mm. of. Some are hyper-spiritualized. Yeah. You know, God told me that you're not supposed to do something or you're supposed to give your money a certain way. I mean... That's really dangerous right there. Yeah. Um, tongues, again, improper use or or just trying to show off through them, that's really bad. Working of miracles. Um, we've most likely, anyone listening has heard of or even gotten in the mail a trade. Mm. Uh, this know, mat. Yeah. 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 Um, Skip Peitzig, one pastor I've listened to a lot over the years, he said he got one in the mail that was a, a shower cap with a handprint on it. And, and the hand would, would anoint his head as he, or something along yeah. the lines, if he sent money and his miracle would come. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's I'll, we laugh, but it's it's not funny. Yeah. Um, but it's it's wild. 
some of this that's mm. been abused. It is. But that's those are a few examples. There's a lot. Okay. Um, we I think people that are listening know the bad. Yeah, probably. Let's so. finish on the ugly cuz it's out there. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. If you're really um desiring either to be spiritually grieved or to have a laugh, slang in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um Benny Hinn. You know, punching people in the head or pushing them over there. This this gets gross. And I I don't want to be too. There was somebody who said performing in a specific act would cast out a demon of a woman. And she literally went through with it. Mm. And he called himself a pastor. And I mean, just in the name of God, he represented God to the to the people saying that this would do a certain thing. It would cast out this demon that this woman had and she believed it. You know, there's, I was watching a a documentary on one of the movie providers like Netflix. It's not Netflix, but uh, I think it was called the Holy spirit or something. Mm. And it was just chock full of these people, kids, and, and adults that were from a particular belief uh, congregation, and they'd go out and they would document what they believed to be acts, and the stuff I saw in there would just, it angered me. Yeah. There was people laying on the ground with gold dust falling on their privates, mm-hmm. uh, gold, random, just... And they would they would hold their hands over someone else's, and they would they would say, "Here, I'm going to prove to you that you know Christianity's real." And they'd say, "Do you feel the energy? You feel the energy?" And then they would say, "Double it, double it, Lord," like they were commanding God to double the energy. Mm. And I was sitting there. I felt almost what I can only imagine might be a little piece of that righteous anger Jesus had when he flipped tables over. Because the way some people use it, it's like Simon the Sorcerer. They're like, could I get some of this? Mm. Could I, you know, it's not used right. Yeah. It's he, ugly. He wanted to capitalize yeah. on the the working of God. Whether it be through money or attention or whatever is going on in in these people's heads, it's ugly. Well, and I think that's where it comes back to discernment. Test the spirits. See if it's right. See if it's righteous. See if it's for the right purpose. And, you know, I I just I want to make it clear, too, as we're talking about this. I I understand that there's probably some believers out there that they're saying, listen, I I hope you're not saying this is all fake. Uh, That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. We know that God works amongst his children, amongst the church, the building of the kingdom, so I don't want to to come across here as we're you know we got to look at all angles of this mm-hmm. we really do, and I feel like that some of this falls under where Jesus said, if anyone leads one of these little ones astray, it'd be better for him to have a millstone yeah. attached to his neck and thrown into the bottom of the sea. Yeah, because if if it is extra biblical, if it's outside of what God has established, then it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And we need to call what's wrong, wrong. That's true. And we don't need to deem every single act of God as as strange fire, Mm -hmm. but we do need to to test the spirits and we do need to see what's right. Yeah. And I would be really curious for those listening, if you've got a miraculous story that you know firsthand— not not someone told you. I would love to hear for some from some listeners, brothers and sisters out there, 
um, what's happened that you've seen in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual gifts? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. And if you have questions about what spiritual gifts you might have, and you just want to talk to somebody, you don't have someone to talk to. We would love to be that sounding board, that voice that, that connects with you. Because if we get messages from y'all, we will respond. It may, it may, you know, depend on when the uh, podcast runs, but you're going to get a message back from us one way or another saying, Hey, thank you for your comment or literally responding to you about what it is. Yeah. Because we're we're a family. That's what the body of Christ is all about. And um, uh, perhaps you're not even a believer. And if you're hearing this, this all sounds very strange to you. And like I said at the beginning of the show, um, we would encourage you to make that jump if you're curious. Uh, Not just to see, but this this is not just, um, you know, fire security. It's not fire insurance, right? No. No. It's not fire insurance. This is a lifestyle. This is something that we believe that God has called us to until the the day we take our last breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a scripture that comes to mind, um, something about pearls and swine. And we don't want to talk about certain things on certain ears because a lot of people scoff at it. But there's a reality to this too. And if you're listening sincere, if you're listening sincerely with real questions, throw them at us. Yeah. That's This is a perfect way to wrap up our show. Mm-hmm. This has been Spiritual Gifts. We started with the disclaimer. We're not going to end with one. We're just going to say <laughs> we know it's a touchy subject. Please don't, don't just blast us if you disagree. Yeah. Be cordial. But please connect with us. Connect on Facebook. Uh, connect through uh, our website. You can go on there and you can email us. It's connect at basnakebird.com or you can... Um, check out our website at bsnakebird.com. We'd love, again, to hear your feedback. If you said, guys, this was way too touchy a topic, why don't you suggest one? We'd love to hear that. Yeah, we would love ideas on topics you want us to uh, look into. And remember, the number one way you can help us out here if this show has benefited you is subscribe and share us with your friends on social media or whatever avenues you can. Yeah. Say, these guys are weird. One of them quoted Eminem, and the other one was trying to talk like an Egyptian. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that, always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. And be a, a snake bird. bird.